Hello and welcome, JRPG fans, to the JRPG Report. My name is James Fisher, and this is going to be episode 52. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about. It's been a busy couple of weeks since our last podcast, and I've played through all of Kingdom Hearts 3, and I've actually just uh, completed Tales of Asperia, the Definitive Edition, as well. And uh, I wonder if you guys uh, go through this from time to time um, as well. When you complete a game or, you know, you've had a couple ones that you've been really looking forward to and you finally get done with them, what do you do next? Uh, do, you, do you go back through and play it again? Um, do you try to trophy hunt or uh, finish up any side quests? Do you move on to the next game? What what do you guys like to do? Now, personally, and I've kind of always found myself doing this, when I beat a game, very rarely do I want to jump back into it. I don't know what that says about me or uh, you know, if you're similar what that says about you either, but it's like I'm done. You know, the credits have rolled. It's time to move on to the next thing. And that's where I usually end up at is what next? Now, having played Kingdom Hearts 3 and Tales of Vesperia back to back, I'm a little bit uh, wanting a change, especially to go away from the, the action RPG. So do I jump into something new altogether? Do I find something turn-based? What do I do? And um, I'm kind of just wondering this out loud to anybody who will listen to me at this point, because I generally don't know. Um, it, the only thing I do know is it's going to come from my backlog somewheres. So uh, hopefully I can get that all figured out. But anyway, we've got a, um, a just a ton of, of smaller stories to talk about. I'll talk about my um, experience with Tales and uh, kind of my feelings in general. But uh, first and foremost, let's get into some news. And um, maybe a bit too late for some people, as this game has been out for a while, but there are some um, some fixes coming to Tales, Tales of Vesperia. This will launch on March the 7th, so uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out, it'll either be tomorrow or today, depending on when it is, as we're recording this on March the 6th. Uh, so here's a list of changes. All versions uh, are fixing the rare issue which the game would freeze during gameplay. They've adjusted the height of certain enemies, both in the overworld and in battle. Fixed a display lag that would occur in uh, Mantiac. Uh, they adjusted the behavior of the stick controls during battle. Uh, they fixed the issue when Flynn's voice would play in Japanese when changing his strategy to up to you during battle, even <laughs> when his uh, sayings have been set to English and improved stability of other behaviors. Um, these ones are just for the console versions. They fix an issue in which an art assigned to a shortcut um, wouldn't be performed properly when the stick controls to, uh, on the stick controls. That's an issue. Uh, Xbox One, Switch, and Steam when using the controller. They fixed an issue in which certain uh, of Rita and Estelle's arts would trigger in an unintended location. That's a problem. Um, PS4 and Xbox versions—they are cooking the, or they're fixing the cooking 
challenge sub-event, so the event seeing now plays when the player loses. The Switch version is adjusted the audio balance. Now Steam seems like they've got the most uh, fixes for it. They uh, are fixing an issue in which completing 100% of the achievements would revert your progress to the last place you saved. Uh, fix the issue so that any food can be cooked from the battle results screen, even after customizing your button configuration. And fix the overall performance and reduce latency. Issue in the settings and configs would not be reflected properly. Uh, the issue with Patty's Brainiac Magic Selection. And um, <clears throat> fix text that would display incorrectly for certain rankings. So that's all good stuff. Um, I would dare say, you know, this is about a month and a half after release, so most people may already be done with this game by the time some of these fixes have been implemented, but it's better than not doing it at all. I will say, uh, in a later scene in the game with Flynn, that uh, he, <laughs> the line that was on the screen was completely different than the line that he voiced. It wasn't even, um, it wasn't a translation or anything, it was just completely wrong. Uh, it was kind of humorous, and especially early on, on the Switch, I know that happened twice that the um, the game actually crashed on me. Um, just randomly, I think they were both in the overworld part, uh, just heading to the next town, and uh, I ended up losing, I don't know, probably 30 minutes combined progress on each one I hadn't saved um, in in a little bit on each one. So that was that was annoying. Um, I don't recall that happening on other things. Maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's a switch issue and hopefully they can, uh, get that sorted out. Cause that was, um, uh, that kind of stunk. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. So yeah, I did beat, uh, tales the other night and what a great game. Um, I always felt like I enjoyed those earlier tales titles anyway. So this one was one that I was looking forward to. Never got a chance to play it before. And um, if you are a fan more of the older ones, maybe than the newer ones, you've got to pick it up. It is made for you. It is balanced. It is got all the voice acting you could ever want in it. There are still some issues, I think, with... Um, the lip syncing, you're going to have to kind of look past that as, uh, even when it's working well, it's not always there. Uh, there's plenty of times when they're still talking and their lips aren't moving at all. <laughs> I can only, uh, I can only assume that that was, uh, something that was in the, uh, original, um, version of it. That's something they haven't fixed, uh fixed since then but I truly loved it it was quite a challenge at times but only in the best kind of ways not cheap at all but certainly you know made you you know just have to try a little bit harder memorize patterns and block and and move and all that fun stuff so definitely enjoyed it and um, hope you guys have gotten to enjoy it as well Either your first time through or or your last. That's 
it's one you should definitely be picking up. So this story went to the press is literally, I think, right after we got done recording last time. And um, I just wanted to talk about it. If you haven't heard about it, uh, Square Enix has trademarked the collection of mana in Japan. Um, there's also a trademark for Final Fantasy Adventure in the U.S., Canada, and Europe, Mystic Quest, and all those as well, as well as Secret of Mana in the U.S. and Canada as well as Japan. Um, in case you were... Uh, curious or didn't know Final Fantasy Adventure and Mystic Quest are the names in North America and Europe for the first entry in the Mana series. Uh, <clears throat> Secret of Mana, of course, we got over here the second game in the series, and then we never got part three. Um, and don't don't confuse Mystic Quest with Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. We, we we try not to talk about that game very often. So it certainly seems like um, maybe uh, as a result of the remake doing well. I, we've talked about that before. I did not pick it up. But, you know, maybe that sold very well in, in Square. As it seems to be doing is going back to the well to try to get anything they can. And I mean, we never got those two games in their proper form outside the game boy game. So maybe finally we're getting all three mana games in the series. If that's something you're excited about, I know I would be to finally to play those games. Um, and I hope it is the super Nintendo version of, Secret of Mana, not uh, not what they did to it. So we'll 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 update that one as we get a little more information. But typically, whenever somebody trademarks something, that kind of means it's it's coming this way. Uh, we got the uh, this one also broke pretty much as soon as we were done. There was a second trailer for the uh, Altar Lulua, the Sign of Ireland. Um, they had all the a uh, bunch of characters returning, and that one had uh, come out. But it's kind of cool that we got a uh, another trailer for this one, which, of course, comes out on PS4 and Switch on uh, March the 20th in Japan. PlayStation 4, Switch, PC on May 21st in North America. And on May the 24th in Europe. In case you get uh, Wiki Famitsu. Um, in the twenty February twenty first edition, there was a demo uh, provided for that. So, looking forward to this one and returning back to Arlen, um, back into that come come May. Square Enix remained busy uh, with the uh, release of new trailers for the Xbox One and Switch versions of Final Fantasy X and X Two HD Remaster, and of course Final Fantasy Twelve Zodiac Age. There's some new artwork that's uh, really cool for, for the Zodiac Age. Um, kind of that old, cool style. Um, you can get both of those uh, pre-ordered. Um, if you pre-order the physical edition of Final Fantasy XII, it will include a reversible cover. Of course, uh, Zodiac Age has new high-definition graphics, original and remastered soundtrack, and a new trial mode. Um you get the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but it's the optimum 
version of it in the Zodiac Age. That might actually, you know, that might be something I go back to. I never quite got all the way to the end of that one, so we may may try to uh, complete uh, Final Fantasy XII. Uh, you also get the license reset function. You can talk to the uh, clan's leader, Monteblock. And players can reset and change their party members' jobs, letting them customize the jobs of their party as desired. Additional Gambit sets, new and improved New Game Plus, and the Xbox One version will support 60 frames per second. The 10.10.2 remaster is due out for Xbox One and Switch on April 16th. Final Fantasy XII Gauge is due out on April the 30th, of course. Those titles are already available on PS4 and PC. 10.10.2, of course, we're on. Um, you can get those remasters on PlayStation 3 and Vita as well. So they got you covered no matter where you want to play. On March the 19th, Nino Kuni fans, in particular fans of the first game, will be getting a new DLC for um, for part two. This is a, their second large-scale downloadable content, and it is called The Tale of the Timeless Tome. Quite the tongue twister, if you try to say that fast. This will come out in, um, I guess this is, well, it's got yen, so this may be just the Japanese version of it. It will launch on March 19th for 1,500 yen. Um, we will return the truth of the world where the taintless that corrupted the kings of Dino Kuni lurks will be revealed in this new adventure. Here we will introduce some of the second large-scale dynamo contents, new elements, including new episodes that delve into the past of the main characters, new martial methods, and a new arena called Pandora Knights. Of course, you must have the latest version of Nino Kuni 2 to, uh, to enjoy this one. It, if any of you don't have the first DLC, you can still um, play this one. That is not a problem. So you get uh, going to return of a character that we first saw in Nino Kuni 1, the um, rabbit-faced character. And kind of got the top hat and the big old bow. And looks like a giant. Looks a. Like, uh, it's called the conductor, and um, kind of a very odd, very odd rabbit to say the least. Well, he comes back. Um, that's a part of this new DLC, and uh, the past of each the of each character comes to light. You can see um, the images that were produced. We had. Um, Arnella sitting at the grave, a happy-looking Nira, and Leander by her side looks like a, they're finally getting married. So that would be pretty cool to see. Uh, two new martial methods are coming out for you guys. Um, Wizard's Companion and Martha's Methods. And you get to see the Solarcium Slog. And that is a battery where you can cha- challenge consecutive battles of the highest difficulty. So it actually, in this article, it doesn't actually say this is for the West or not. It just says um, yen for uh, for the price. So we'll have to wait and see if that one is actually uh, for Japan and for us. I would imagine so. This is all 
in English as well as in Japanese. So I would have to imagine we are um, getting that one as well. So I just I can't quite get myself to want to get back into that one. Maybe one day I will uh, I will do that, but today is not that day. We finally got definitively states, you know, I'll be honest. I can't remember if I actually talked about this one or not. So I'll just go ahead and say it again. Um, Trails of Cold Steel. The first one is coming out definitively on March the 26th in North America. Uh, the day one physical version is called the decisive edition. Um, it will cost forty nine ninety nine. Now, if you want to get the digital edition, it's only going to cost you thirty nine ninety nine. But the physical edition does come, of course, with the copy of the game, a 50 mirror replica coin. If you've played Trails of Cold Steel, you know why um, that is significant. You get a 21 track musical selection CD, the Steelbook case, and a 10 page exclusive list of Ryanford's Cold Steel Crash Course comic within the 52 page manual. So that's. Pretty cool. I I kind of plan on getting uh, this one again. Um, I've got my, I believe it was Lionheart Edition. Is that what it was? Um, version for PS3. I picked it up again on the Vita uh, just to have. But why not, right? Go for um, go for the trifecta of, of having <laughs> all versions. It sure does look good, so... <clears throat> I gotta have it now. For our European friends, you're not going to get this. Uh, also, Australia, not until March the 29th, and um, same same price difference. There's a there's a ten ten pound or ten whatever increment this is in. It's 34.99 for the digital edition and 44.99 for the physical edition. Um. So you have to wait a few more days, but as I have said before, if you have not played these games, please, please, please pick these up in one way, shape, or form. You are a fan of good JRPGs with a great battle system, good fun storytelling. Yes, okay, it is in a school setting, but don't think it's like Persona. It's, this is different. Um, there's different tasks to be done. The first one definitely focuses more on the school aspect of it. You know, there may be, it may be a little slow at times for you, but just get through it because it's all setting the groundwork of the story. By the time you get to part two, things are just crazy and, um, you don't have quite all that to deal with. And of course we're getting all this to get ready for part three. I think, Part two is in late May. I want to say the 29th or 26th. So it may be like two months exactly afterwards. Now, we don't have a definitive date for part three yet. However, Amazon has listed it as November 1st. Now, that's not like the first day of fall or... Anything like that. So it, if it's November 1st, that would be pretty awesome. And that gives us plenty of time to play through parts 1 and 2. Now, that could obviously change. But we will see. It's definitely cool to see at least something 
of a, a date out there. Kingdom Hearts 3 will be getting critical mode, free and paid DLC is planned. So this was from uh, Dengeki Online. It's published a new interview with uh, Tetsuya Nomura, and it discusses some of this. So I will uh, just kind of read through. There may be some spoilers later on in this. I think this is all spoiler-free, this first part. Um, that they are currently working on DLC. There's Nothing is quite done yet, so... Um, they don't have any dates or what it's going to be. A lot of speculation out there as to uh, if it'll finally be, you know, a Marvel or a Star Wars thing, um, or just another Disney or Pixar one. We, we're not quite um, quite sure what it's going to be. <clears throat> uh, Critical mode was not in the original versions, but uh, they're going to release it at a later date. It's not just about changing the numerical value. He says to be stronger. We're readjusting and debugging. Rather than just making it more difficult, we're making adjustments to pinpoint the level of fun unique to critical mode. Um, that's basically the what you can say without being spoilers. So there may be spoilers in uh, the next... You know, I really don't want to read through all this. <laughs> I don't want to just read an interview to you guys. Sorry. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that... Um, I'm not going to read because it's it's full of spoilers, but is just know that, and I guess we all knew that they were going to come out with DLC for Kingdom Hearts Three. Look at the you know Final Fantasy Fifteen model; it's probably what we have to be um, looking forward to. I guess is the the right word. Uh, speaking of Final Fantasy Fifteen, there was uh, finally some info on um, Episode Arden. Which is coming out on March the 26th. And I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to this. Other than, you know, they canceled everything else. And uh, this one is finally coming out. Um, of course, if you got the season pass, I'm sure you're you're looking forward to finally uh, seeing this. I will say this. The two images that they came out with um, showcase the city of insomnia. This is not the insomnia that I remember from the games. <laughs> It very much looks like a present-day Tokyo. Of course, Arden is still in his clothes, which makes him look extremely out of place in this. Um, there are skyscrapers, um, the whole the whole works. So it definitely has me interested as to um, why it looks like that. Um, how long in the you know back was this that it? Um, had its appearance, so we'll have to uh, have to see what what that is all about for sure. Ease Nine had a little teaser. There was two screenshots that came out for it, and it showcases three new playable characters: a dual wielder, a cat-eared woman, and a Tales of esque young man. Uh, the one character is shown. Uh, Fighting a swarm of bats. There's there's quite a few bats on the screen. At one time, he's got his dual-wield swords on there and facing all these bats. It's a pretty cool image, I gotta say. It looks pretty pretty cool. The uh, the other image um, 
kind of shows somebody jumping what appears to be either in between buildings or, or falling down in between some very tall buildings in the city of Knox. Um, of course, the game is out already in Japan. I'm sorry, no, it is, it is due out this year in Japan, and um, we may end up getting it at a later time. But uh, if you are curious about those, check, check them out and uh, let us know what you think and if you're looking forward to uh, a new title this year. I talked last time about uh, what I thought was going to perhaps be a new big AAA IP, and I thought it, you know, at least potentially could be Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Well, their uh, director had a long interview with uh, at the Grand Blue Fest, which was uh, not too long ago. So let's talk just about, of course, there's the mobile game tie-ins, but I want to focus on the actual actual uh, game. Now, this was uh, this interview was conducted before um, the before Platinum Games stopped production with Psy uh, Games. So just kind of keep that in mind. I don't know. Just, it's just a point of reference more than anything. So he says, did not give his name. I will try to say this. Uh, Satsui Fukuhara. Fukuhara. Hope I got that correctly. He says, uh, they're asking about choosing characters. And he says, as it is a story-driven RPG, we want to make sure characters are our most iconic, including Gran, Catalina, and other characters that appear in the main story. Keep in mind, this is all drawn from the mobile games. So most of the stuff they're kind of talking about uh, are are just going to be, you know, you're not going to know, we're not going to know what's going on with these that were People in you know Asia have had these mobile games for a while, and they know exactly what's what's going on and what to expect. It's all going to be new to us. So he says on downloadable content characters, they are included in their plans, but they uh, they currently don't know what those details are. He says we definitely know that our fans want more characters to appear in the console games, so that's definitely something that we are considering. Those other characters like Lancelot, Charlotta, uh, and Percival are still in the game. He says, now, on the frame rate, he says, they are aiming for 60 frames per second, but may have to settle on 30 frames depending on the final visuals. He says, that being said, our goal for now is to have it running at 60 frames. I think that's pretty important. Um, This game looks like it's pretty frantic in the action department in terms of visuals, and 60 could could be important to really make it pop and... uh, look right. He says, as far as unique elements, uh, Grand Blue will be more accessible compared to, uh, Relink will be more accessible as compared to Versus. Uh, Versus is the fighting game that they're developing. Um, he said, we really aren't aiming to have something completely unique or bizarre departing too much from typical elements of RPG. We believe that the overall quality will make the game stand out from games in the same genre. I love hearing that. It's such uh, almost a refreshing take to say, guys, we've been gaming for a while. We know what we like. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, but let's just do it in a beautiful fashion. 
you know, good storytelling is going to make you love a game more than any visual ever could. Um, great gameplay is going to make you love a game more than flashy visuals. Um, so to hear him say that we just want to make a great role-playing game <laughs> and not worry about uh, all the fluff... I love it. He says, now on job changing, job changes are not present in the game due to the immense amount of resources that will be required. Instead, those resources are being used to fully flesh out other characters like Kalina and Rackham, who have very different gameplay from the main character. So I kind of like that, too. Sometimes I feel like we get so caught up in wanting like job classes and being able to have 30 jobs on each person that um, they lose sight of, of truly developing a character and letting them be great at that. You know what? I feel like one of the strengths of a game like uh, dragon quest eight was those characters were those characters and they really developed them and made them into who they are. They weren't trying to be five different things, you know, same thing with, um, you know, final fantasy six, Something like that, where each one had a role and they played it well. And there's plenty of other games that can do that. So why uh, we don't necessarily need, <laughs> you know, one more. So now as on the release window, it was previously planned to come out last year in 2018. It's currently without release window. He said the project became more and more massive from side games and, and that side games didn't want to make compromises on the quality. So it chose to delay the game. He said, at the moment, it doesn't have a release date because we have already delayed it once and we never, ever want to do it again. So that kind of says to me, we're not going to have a release date for a while until we know the game is going to be finished, which kind of leads me to believe it's not going to come out this year. I may be wrong. Maybe they're further along than they thought. Maybe it'll sneak in at the end of the year. Um, we'll have to... Wait and see. So, um, actually says on silent protagonists that Gran and, uh, Dejita, now those are the male and female protagonists, they remain silent as they are in the mobile game outside of voices for battle actions and dialogue reactions. He says the protagonist name can be changed. That they are definitely planning on a simultaneous worldwide release. Um, now, this is interesting. He says, now, releasing so late in the console uh, generation, he said it's been quite a while since the release of PS4. He says, that being said, it also means that the whole industry has stronger development skills on the platform. On top of that, the installed base is so much bigger. Releasing on the later half of January does have its merits, so we'll want to take advantage of this timing. Since PS5 has not been officially announced, we don't know what's going to happen. Yet if it does come out before our games are released, we might think of releasing on PS5 as well. That being said, in that case, it would probably have to be remastered versions. We saw that a lot, um, particularly when uh, PS4 or came out at, and there were still such a huge installed base with ps3 you'd see games come out for both consoles you know your call of duties and stuff like that that had two different versions of it it certainly sounds like they are 
wanting to get this game out as soon as possible, but it may may just be a while. But I thought that was pretty uh, a pretty cool look into the game and what they're trying to do from a development standpoint, and it just kind of makes me that much more <laughs> uh, excited for it. Um, there's a cool game, and it's uh, a bit... You may not typically think of this as a JRPG. We haven't had a whole lot of games like that. And it's a game called uh, uh, Warsaw. It is a turn-based tactical RPG set during World War II, coming out for PS4, uh, Switch, and PC. Uh, published a game company... And uh, Regala of Men and Monarchs developer Pixelated Milk have announced Warsaw due to come out in quarter three of this year. So this game um, has a turn-based tactical RPG with characters of varying classes and skill and resource management in the immersive WW2 setting. A deep tactical combat system with a multitude of complementing skills, weapons, and character abilities. Um... <coughs> Basically, you're taking on the Nazis. <laughs> and instead of being like this uber-powerful uh, team of elites, it kind of looks like you're just everyday people kind of banding together, fighting against the overwhelming Nazi forces, as they say. Um, we'll have more on this one as it kind of comes out, but... This was just announced, and there's a, I mean, in the image it shows a, a civilian with a flamethrower just <laughs> giving it to this Nazi, and he's not a, he's not liking it very much. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of surprised more games haven't come out kind of with um, World War II things. We saw that a little bit, and um, of course there's, there's a million different uh, <laughs> shooters that... Uh, had that, but of course, uh, like the Shadowheart series was set back during World War One and World War Two, so we'll keep an eye on this one. Uh, like I said, not typically what you would think of from a JRPG, but that's okay. We need to have um, different titles like that. <clears throat> um, I forgot to mention this with my other Kingdom Hearts story, but. Um, in case you guys were wanting it, the Kingdom Hearts story so far has actually been restocked. I guess they sold out, you know, so many of them that they had to wait and get production on a little bit more. Uh, March the fifteenth, in uh, <clears throat> okay, it's already been restocked in the U.S. Now March fifteenth in Canada and Latin America, it'll be back in stock, and then March twenty ninth in Europe. Uh, of course, that has. Well, shoot, um, a ton of games, <laughs> a ton of games in it, all of them. And, um, I guess they just didn't, didn't produce enough of them to begin with, but now you'll have your chance to, to play the story so far so that you'll understand what in the world is going on in part three, or at least have a better, <clears throat> excuse me, understanding of it than, uh, than I did. I, I, it was at the very beginning I finally finally got it. Uh, Sword Art Online Hollow Realization Deluxe Edition for the Switch will launch on May the 24th in America and Europe. 
It was uh, previously announced in Japan on April the 25th. So that's a game I'm sure some of you guys are looking forward to. And uh, you'll have your chance to play it not too much longer on May the 24th. So the last thing I kind of want to talk about is just the uh, past couple of weeks and what is going on in uh, in my JRPG world. Um, just on a quick side note, I'm going to try to record every week. Um, I've mentioned before, Wednesday mornings seem to be a good time to do that. So it may not be as long of a podcast as usual, but I'm going to try to do that every Wednesday. So if you guys have any questions you want to talk about, uh, be sure to head over to our Facebook page at the JRPG Report and leave a comment. And uh, we'll see if we can't talk about that. Just anything in the world. It doesn't matter if it's games, you know, the lifestyle, cosplay, events, concerts, um, collectibles. Uh, I've got a ton of collectibles of my own we can talk about. Um, but uh, you can also leave a voicemail question on the Anchor app. And uh, we'll put that in the show and try to answer it that way. That'd be really cool if somebody wants to try to do that. I'm going to try to put together a weekly, um, more of a, like a video podcast, more than anything, on YouTube. And I'll share a link on the Facebook page as well. Kind of just, it's going to be the podcast, but it'll have images and video accompanying uh, everything that I'm talking about. So, like, if there's a new trailer that comes out, we'll have it playing um either as I'm talking or in between segments, you know, something to that effect. So, excuse me, I hope to get that kind of all going here, uh, hopefully today. We'll see if we can get that worked out. Um, but so, I encourage you guys to check that out as well. But quickly, I, I felt like I kind of ranted and raved on Kingdom Hearts 3 a little bit too much last time. Um it was just my feelings at the time, and I'm not going to say anything has really changed. As uh, as I beat it, it was definitely, um, I felt better about the whole experience, but I still, nothing changed as far as before that, and my feelings of, of being let down a little bit. I was able to think about it a little bit more, and even, even the last place that you go to the last town, it was shown as well, so... All told, there was the final battle site wasn't shown in a previous trailer. But other than that, literally everything was shown before the game came out. You know, you you watch a trailer for a new movie and and they show too much and it ruins it. I really feel like they did that with this game. And I know that sales are, are up, that sales were very good for. I think I saw $5 million just initially. Um, that they knew they had to hit it hard with marketing. Um, but I don't feel like they had to do that. So that was, that was disappointing. And so my whole, the reason why I started playing kingdom hearts, the first one was it, (laughs) it was the world of Disney meets final fantasy. And I'm sure that's why a lot of other people got into it. There's, there's, you know, so little of it at all in Kingdom Hearts 3. And I guess I heard somebody else kind of explaining the reason for this as, well, now Kingdom Hearts doesn't need 
Final Fantasy's legs to stand on. They're trying to complete their own story. And that's obviously true. It doesn't make me not feel um, left out or feel bad that one of my favorite franchises is not in this game anymore. It's just disappointing. That's all. And so when my buddy, who I respect greatly, and we share a lot of love for the same JRPG classics and new games alike, says it's one of his top 20 games of all time. I definitely have to disagree with that. Um, but that's his opinion and that's my opinion and that's okay. But when I beat it, I certainly feel better about it. And I know that it's my fault that I feel this way to a certain extent because I was loving tales so much. And I stopped playing it to play through Kingdom Hearts 3. I should never have done that. It might have taken me, I think it took me probably an extra week, week and a half, to finish up Tales where I was at. And then I could have played Kingdom Hearts 3 and probably fully enjoyed it even more. I don't think it would have made me not see some of the things that I did, but I just think I would have enjoyed the overall experience. So if I could lend any advice, it's don't, if you're enjoying a game and something else comes out, don't stop playing it. Um, just finish what you're doing or, uh, get to a stopping point that you want to don't feel like you need to play the new hotness because everybody else is playing it. Um, you know, just like, if, you know, there's a new, TV series that everybody's watched or the new movie comes out that everybody's seen, you know, don't feel like you have to do it. Be your own, be your own self, be true to you. But I enjoyed kingdom hearts. I just enjoyed tales a lot better. Um, it made me realize kind of what tales has done wrong to a certain extent going forward, what's done right with uh, what they fixed with the uh, Berserian in particular, I think more than anything, the skits, they really got, they got it right in Vesperia. They're short. They're usually pretty funny or to the point and they're done. You know, Berseria, they were, they were long. That's, that's kind of been a trend um, going forward for a while. So two great games I got to play in 2019 so far. It certainly makes me excited for what's, coming up, you know, in this year, um, we've got so many to look forward to. We've had so many great ones come out here lately, and hopefully there's going to be even more that we don't even know about yet. Um, so that's going to wrap up this week's podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Like I said, try to, uh, keep your eyes peeled to the Facebook page. I'll share that link for the video podcast. And uh, like I said, hopefully we'll start doing this every week if I've got time or there's nothing cool to talk about. We may even talk about some old stuff if there's not as much news going on. Keep it uh, keep it going with new material. Until then, my name is James Fisher. This has been the JRPG Report, episode 52. Signing off for now. Until next time, guys, get back out there and level up. <laughs>